Hello and welcome to a very special episode. Very special episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast <laughs> where two film loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. But this week, my name is Hugh Dempsey, and this is and the man who's got um, stomach issues is Sam Blakely. Hello, Sam. Hello, Hugh. So, Sam, this is the hundredth episode extravaganza. It looks like we made it. Yes, thank you, Shania Twain. Yeah, so. We're um, we've got a special we've got a special episode for you this week, listener. It's very special. It's super special. It's the special K of uh, podcast episodes, mm-hmm. uh, which mm. is very it's a very regular serial. So I don't think it's that special. <laughs> but anyway, um, so basically, what we're doing is instead of just doing our usual spiel of one person recommends a film to another, we decided to go after some sacred cows and yeah. and also rage. Wax lyrical, not rage. I can say rage lyrical. Then <laughs> wax lyrical about some films that aren't that great that we actually quite enjoy. Yeah. So we thought we would do some, something special, but to add some fun Ooh. and imagination to our uh, podcast, we've decided we're going to do a hundred shots of beer uh, in basically a hundred minutes. Now. Mm. Our episodes don't usually last that long, not often, but they do sometimes. So you're not going to hear every shot on on air because we're going to do some off air just to to for brevity's sake, obviously. But what what we're going to do is we're going to do nine shots of beer, and then every tenth shot we do, we're going to do some vodka, some vanilla vodka, vanilla flavored vodka, so we're not sick from the sense memory of uh, normal vodka. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From our we, we, we went from to university. Our youth, <laughs> from our youth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, you're I'm going to start the time here. Are you, are you looking forward to this? I'm going to start time? the time because I'm thirsty. You're thirsty. So, are you uh, ready, listeners, listeners? Play along with us. Count us down. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Right, well, we're into the first minute, so we're not going to have a shot, obviously, for a minute. So, essentially, the way this episode is going to work is uh, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give you a film that I quite like that wasn't generally well-received. Underrated. Now, I really hope yeah, we haven't chosen the same films. I we don't think we discussed. have for this one. We like to be I did. I think I, I did tell you in advance what film I was doing for That's the true. film. Yeah, and I've got some... I'm going to give you the... Uh, I'm going to see if the listeners can guess by the score alone on Rotten Tomato. Oh, okay. So it got... Well, here's the rules. Here's the, the rules. The underrated film... This was our rules that we gave ourselves to pick yeah. the film by. It has to the film that we like that other people don't like has to have less than fifty uh, percent or less score on Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes. It can be audience or critic to widen that net. The films yeah. that we're going to skewer that everyone loves have to have uh, at least eighty percent or, or seventy five or whatever. It I think was. I think it was something. Yeah, it was about seventy five. Seventy five across. But something. eighty would be pref. I think I think mine is eighty. Yeah. Oh, anyway, it's time for the first oh, shot. Drink, drink. Well, so that, you. that didn't go too, too badly. No, that that's first the one. first one. Fine. It's a bit warm, though, because it's been out for a while. Now. Not to worry. So give us the Rotten Tomato score. So friend. on the tomato meter, which I'm guessing is the critic's view of the film, yeah. um, it got 36%. Ooh, okay. It's quite low, that, isn't okay, it? Yeah. I mean, it's not... Look, it's not going to be like... It's not the... What is it? Um, the disaster It's not Uber Ball. It's... Uh, yeah. It could be worse. Yeah, it's not... What's the film? The Room, the room isn't the room. it? Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Um, so it is... It was... It wasn't an overly well-received film, but it wasn't a hated film either, I Give think. Give us more information. But it could here. be. But the audience actually liked it a bit more than I thought. Oh. Was that What was our audience... Marker for this? We didn't. We just basically something just has said, to be under fifty. I think it had to. Oh right. So like, oh, something has to be under fifty. Yeah, the the the, the critics. The critics. Yeah, but the audience for this was fifty eight percent, which is quite high. Yeah. I thought. Drink, drink. Oh Christ! 
Okay, so Hugh, are you going to give us the title or are you going to keep us in suspenders for longer? So, we're gonna, I'm not going to keep you in suspenders because mm. you're a grown man. Um, so, I've picked the film from 1999, Christopher Columbus directed, Ooh. not that Christopher Columbus, <laughs> Bicentennial Man Bicent- with Robin Williams. Now, Bicentennial, Bicentennial, does that mean every... That's 200 is years. Is that twice a year or 200 no, years? No, it's 200 years. A semi-centennial would be... It would, yeah. Well, no, that would be 200 years as well. A semi-centennial. Yeah. No, that'd be 50 years, wouldn't it? Because it'd be half of a hundred. Probably that would be 50 years. But although, is it like, if something's every hundred years, this is... Well, I mean, we're getting, into, we're getting into the minutiae of it's, nomenclature here, Sam. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a problem. I'm not. I'll be honest with you. He's 200 years old by the end of the film. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why he's called bicentennial. 200. Right, I've yeah, not seen it. I don't think I might yeah. have seen it when I was younger. You haven't. Well, uh, oh, give you us, haven't give us seen a critical it. response. Uh, time for a drink. 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 So, what did the critics say at the time? Well, what do you think, our good friend Roger, Roger Ebert? Uh, Not his first mention today. I mean, it is his first mention, not his last. Uh, Rog, well, he is better than most, so he probably quite liked it, actually. But given that you're bringing him up, he probably didn't like it. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you his... It's a long review, I decided, to take a big chunk. Are you reading the entire review? No, because okay. it was a lot longer. Does the review um, you're going to read out include the plot? No. Okay, good. Make right. sure you stop me as well for when it's shot time. Will do. Okay, so Robin Williams spends the first half of the film encased in a metal robot suit, and when he emerges, the script turns robotic instead. Oh. What a letdown. Williams plays a robotler named Andrew, who arrives in a package crate one day outside the home of a family who is destined to share him for four generations, each and every moment of which seems mercilessly chronicled. Uh, and he goes on to say... Drink! Oh, drink. He doesn't say that. I love to recommend drinking in his reviews, old Rog. Uh, he goes on to say that... You just really savoured that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that every time. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's time for another drink. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed my yeah. drink. Um, the movie's buried themes have to do with self-determination and the rights of individual. Like many of Asimov robot stories, it deals with the enigma of having the intelligence of a man without the rights or the feelings. Bicentennial Man could have been an intelligent, challenging science fiction movie, but it's too timid, too eager to please. It wants us to like Andrew, but it is difficult at a human deathbed to identify with the aluminium mourner. So he's basically saying there that uh, it's hard to... You know, to empathise with mm. uh, Robin Williams, Andrew. Uh, he's got a bit more. Would you like to hear a bit more? Of course I would. Okay, so we're just a few seconds away from the next drink. So drink. I think we should drink first. So, I mean, he's saying... He can't really, is, that, is that a mark against Williams' performance? I think it's more he can humanise anyone. I think it's more about the script, isn't it? Uh, he further goes on to say, Strange how definitely the film goes wrong. At the 60-minute mark, I was really enjoying it. Then it slowly abandons its most promising themes and paradoxes and turns into a series of slow, sloppy slings involving love and death. And since the beloved woman is essentially always played by the same person, uh, played by uh, Daviditz, uh, Daviditz, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure how you pronounce the name. Um, the movie begins to seem very long and very slow. And by the end, when Andrew hopefully says, see you soon, we hope he is destined for... 
a home appliance heaven. Right, okay. Where do all the little calculators go? After all, if not for, to Silicon Heaven. I don't um, know. So, but I want you to pick apart, in a moment, I want you to pick apart why that is a wrong opinion. Drink! I mean, did you, upon his deathbed, actually sympathise? Did you feel strong emotions? Do you just, just, do you just think we should not listen to Rodriba anymore? Um... Well, I'm not going to tell you why I love it. I've got another review if you'd give like it, to hear for another some, review. More, yeah. This one's from Peter French in The Guardian. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, think we've, I think we've had French on a few times. Um, you joke, but this is his entire review because it's quite short. <laughs> it's actually shorter than what I've just done. Uh, based on the Isaac Asimov story, Bicentennial Man adds little to cinema's long-time fascination with robots and androids that... Uh, started in the 1920s with The Golem and Metropolis. The picture begins in 2005 when a wealthy San Francisco family replaced their domestic... Uh, sorry, replaced their Dom's Tick... Oh, I think it's meant to say domestic, but it's not... It's got a problem. Domestic servant with an intelligent robot, Robin Williams. Drink. Oh, drink. Mm. Listen, we hope you're drinking along. Whether you're driving a car or cradling a child. <laughs> the b- best time to drink. Uh. Um, domestic servant, uh, Robin Williams. Uh, called Andrew, that resembles the one Woody Allen played in Sleeper. There are a few good early scenes between Andrew and his master, Sam Neill, that bring to mind the relationship between Friday and Caruso. But as the picture proceeds, it turns into another of those heart-tugging Robin Williams pictures on his customary theme of ageing, mortality and the prospects of afterlife. The more philosophical and serious the picture gets, the more it becomes embarrassingly and unintentionally comic. When finally an obliging scientist equips Andrew with a central nervous system, sexual parts, a stomach and William's face, you realise how much more interesting the character was as a robot and with a head like the back of an iMac. So, that's, so he, yeah, he wasn't very... Uh, also didn't quite like him. No. Really drink? Drink? Okay, so we've had ten minutes and we've just heard what some other yeah. idiots... Well, and Roger Ebert thought about Bicentelli Man. Come on, you give us the give us the lowdown. Why is it actually quite good? Well, I mean, look, I can't not agree with some of the things that Ebert says. Is yes, it is a bit light and fluffy on its theme. It does. It goes from being kind of a heartwarming story about something becoming sentient and learning its place in the world and being educated and taught and it, having like a you know its place and its relationships with humans, and then because it's got such a long time frame of a film. Oh, excuse me. Uh, that's what happened when you drink. Yeah, yeah. Let's be grateful it came out that end. Um, and as it goes on, obviously, it, the film's two hours, so it basically spends the first hour establishing who he is, and then the second hour is his relationship, and then his and then his fight to become human, which is very much crowbarred in the last twenty minutes of the film. Drink. Because the robot butler is given a human body. Mm-hmm. Um, for reasons except for, no his brain is positronic oh like all of our brains I'd know <laughs> <laughs> um, so because he's got a positronic brain he can live forever essentially ah uh, like all of us can no okay you need to, I, think you, <laughs> I need to I watch think more you, films <laughs> <laughs> I think you just need to know more <laughs> um so yeah, because he's got a positronic brain that won't degrade. He's obviously times a concept that's different for him what it is for you know humans. You know how old different. is he by the end of the film? View he's two hundred years old. So. <laughs> he shows up fifty years old. Yeah, I'm pretty right, sure. Right, 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 but right. I can check. Yeah, he's a human cast uh, revolving door of mortal lumps of flesh that die. It's, 
essentially. Right. But two of the character, one of the characters, or two of the characters are playing by the same actress. Smart. But being different characters, and there's a really like awkward scene. Vanilla here vodka come, drink. Here comes the vodka. Oh, holy moly! Oh, are we really going to record a podcast? <laughs> I'm to chase that down with. Right. Okay. So I, again, I haven't seen it. I just. Isn't that kind of era of AI that I also never saw? <laughs> I also never saw AI. Um, I can't do that any more of those. Oh, it's right there. <laughs> it's right there in my intestine. Oh, no. Oh, God. Why did you have to buy what a vodka? terrible idea. <laughs> I, I saw... He's, he's not going to buy vodka because oh, he knows I can't drink it's vodka. Fine. It's fine. Ladies and gentlemen, I drank vodka very much so much when I was a very young lad. I wasn't in the mood. You've only got to drink ten shots of it in the next and hour and a half. I've avoided it for a very long time. It smells nice, but it does still taste like vodka. <laughs> it does um, sound like vodka, yeah. Go. So, you, should we say what I like about this film? Give it a go. Okay. Drink. Oh, drink time. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. What so I do like? genuinely like the fact that it's a story told over like, th- basically, he says, it's like four generations, he said, mm. essentially. So you've got the dad, you've got his daughter, you miss out more or less her kids, and then it's like goes to the granddaughter, mm. essentially. Um and I like that. I like the length of the time of the film. Is a lot. It, of, who was it? Spielberg? No, Christopher Columbus. Oh, AI is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you yeah. That. yeah, 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 yeah. That is. Um, <sighs> that's a very different film, but it has a very similar. That spans like thousands of years in the end, doesn't oh, it? Does it? Yeah, because he gets frozen yeah, or something. Didn't see it, yeah. Oh, have you not seen it? Right. Oh, fair enough. Um, I like. I just like that idea that it's kind of it charts like his whole life, but it's like a long lifespan. Mm. That's really fun. It's really interesting. It's it's fascinating, you know, to see. I've always liked, you know, I always quite like the film Highlander. I always like stuff with like with like <laughs> vampires, Drink. you know. Yeah, that Drink. I mean, I think Interview with the Vampire nailed that quite well, actually. Yeah, yeah. I do love that film. As camp and silly as it is. Yeah, there's a good. There's an interesting. Um, there's an interesting premise, isn't there? Yeah. At the core and, of that film. And how they mutate. Yeah, but he's just, I'm a sad vampire. Yeah. But in a good way, not... But I, I'm a sad vampire, but I still kill shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, the vegetarian ones. Yeah, and I would really like the bit when he's in Paris and he goes on that murder spree mm. after um, uh, Kirsten... Kirsten... Kirsten? Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten, yeah, Kirsten Dunst dies. Yeah. And who's whoever the last winner is? Um... <laughs> Yeah, and obviously you've got some great performances from obviously. I mean, Robert William Robin Robert Williams <laughs> is his uh, Jude Law and Haley Charles did a great yeah. job. <laughs> this is a bad idea drinking while we're recording. Drink. I don't think I've seen Robin Williams do a genuinely bad performance. He might have ones that are a bit saccharine. And it's a bit. Unpopular. I think the only thing I would say with this is it's a little phoned in. Right. But he, like like um, the reviews said, he spends the first hour. Help, help! I'm in a can. Right. You know. <laughs> so that's kind of. Yeah, that is what it, it is. What it is. You know. What I mean, it is. It is what it is. Um, what, he's a good film or a bad film. Well, I think it's a good film. Yeah. I really do. But as in, it is what it is. Is in he's not able to do his laugh a minute sort of stuff but yeah. it, is, it is a funny film it passes the six laughs so is, oh right okay so is he kind of like a silly dopey or like a um, silly he's just he's naive he's right. um, he doesn't the world, he's you know it's like he was born yesterday sort of thing like Jack <laughs> a like he was bit, born five years ago a little bit yeah <laughs> a bit like Jack a bit like um, like it, it's essentially what 
data was in Star Trek's <laughs> right. next generation. Yeah. It, those out there are those out there who will get that reference. Drink. I know you won't personally. Okay. I see. So fundamentally, why do you think it was unloved or underloved, underrated? Um, I don't know why. I don't know. It's just, I think it caught me at the right time. I was about 13 or 14 when I saw this film. It was one of those films that was played like on loop on Sky Movies over the summer or something one year. So I just watched it about 10 times in about six months. This sort of chimes with, I've got a theory that when it comes to these kind of films, it's children and teen age films Mm. that you saw when you were a teen and the critics didn't so you love them they didn't or you didn't see and other people did so they love them and you hate them yeah, I think, I think with Star Wars Temple of Doom I think you mentioned when we were prepping for this you talked about I, I said we both said we hadn't seen many of those Breakfast Club films yeah exactly and you said oh well people 10 years younger than when they came out all don't like those films because they're not about them if that makes sense no I think the point I was making was that oh. those people love them and we don't oh right I, oh. oh drink yeah drink you know and sort of ten, people ten years younger than us oh I'm with you now right so ten people who are, who are ten years younger than us they like those films because they came out even like no, even, ten people, ten, people ten years older than us were years teens old. when they came out yeah. or were children when they came out Yeah, and so they appreciate that whereas I was speaking to a student of mine who's a teenager currently and he didn't really like the character in Boyhood because he sort of saw his flaws like that's a flawed character as part of a flawed film and I saw it as an adult thinking well this is a film about a flawed teenager who's been a teenager and he maybe saw him as a teenager who is a flawed teenager yeah <laughs> whereas you know we, we'd watch characters with you know film I, I don't really know but basically yeah. It's interesting. People That's are nostalgic. We, we found from episode one of our mm. episode of our show that I didn't like uh, Empire Strikes Back because I watched no. it as a 30-year-old. Drink. Drink. I watched it as a 30-year-old. I didn't really like Temple of Doom because I watched that as a 31 or 2-year-old, a 31-year-old, let's say. Yeah. And it's a children's film. So I do think a big portion of this is going to be, did you watch it at the right time? Right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I think, I caught, I think this caught me at the right time. I just, you know, I enjoyed that whole like time span thing um, also something I quite like about it it does talk about the themes of what it means to be human and what it means when what does it mean when basically time isn't as mentioned before I quite like you know we said about um, Highlander and we said book about yeah um, that would change uh, your view of the vampire. society and things yeah like yeah. what does what what does it mean when time has has no meaning to you essentially because yeah. when time has no meaning you've yeah it's the world is a different place isn't it when yeah oh yeah. time to drink oh cracky I've not been looking that is a symptom of this <laughs> yeah I do think that's an interesting thing and you know on a oh, God. even on a one generational scale the idea definitely going to throw up if we carry on <laughs> if we do this to 100 now does Superman age like other humans when he's 100 will he look 100 um, he has for the he first. He just ages from a teenager to an adult, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he has human lifespan. Even so, I think even within his lifetime, he would get so tired of human humanity's inhumanity and inability to just chill out 
that I wonder how he doesn't become disillusioned. So if he lived a thousand it, years... Humanity's inability to like, chill out. Yeah. You're just so unchill, humanity. They just are so unchill. And, you know, like, if you lived, if you were Superman but you lived a thousand years, yeah. how do you care about humanity 500 years from now when you've seen the same old shit? I don't know. That's one of the th- interesting things about Superman is he does seem to have a human lifespan. Mm. Yeah, it adds something. Whereas Wolverine's done with it, isn't he? <laughs> He's over it. That, Ooh, frankly. That was shot 18, by the way. Oh, sh- Oh, oh. was it? Okay, so... I'm, <laughs> I'm all out of sync, so the vodka's in two. Okay, yeah, uh, got- good. Any any more comments um, on that film? It's a very wholesome film. Right. Like, it's, it is about, like, life and love and, you know, like, the family are well-to-do, so there's no... There's no financial issues. You know, <laughs> there's no there's material no... conflicts. Yeah, yeah, there isn't. There isn't. Um, the wedding, like... Um... Did we miss a drink? No. No, okay. Good no, we're, we're okay. <laughs> um, so it's in, it's in like, a well-to-do. So there's, money's never an issue in this film for anyone. Right. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's just wholesome because it's about love and it's about family. And it's like one of the... We, we're not really going to do that this in this uh, in this uh, episode. Scenes but one of the best scenes is when um, I have a is drink. when drink. <laughs> yeah, it's when... Oh, that must be attractive to listen to. So we've been we've been about 20 minutes on the first film. Go and give us your favourite scene and then we'll move on, I think. Well, what I was going to say was ultimately that um, it's when... Sam Neill's character asks Andrew to play back um, the wedding mm. and he's got because he's got like a projector in his head basically that pops out and he can play back anything that he's seen that day and he shows like um, his daughter dancing with her husband and then he shows her do- his daughter dancing with him and it's mm. you know it's very sweet oh very nice um, and I must admit at the end of this film it made me cry I'm not going to lie it's not a rare thing do you cry a lot of films or? not really no mm. so I, it must have got me in that old feels as they say <gasps> <laughs> As in recently when you rewatched it or back when today, back yeah, today, no, no, today when I watched it, yeah, I couldn't believe I was but such I think, a pussy. If a, if, a film, if a film makes you cry, it's oh, really done a good. Here job, we go. Yeah. So this is we're on to sh- oh, we're on to shot twenty. Too. Cheers, cheers. Uh, on the inside. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I do think if a film makes you cry, <laughs> it's done an excellent job. And it burns, <laughs> and it burns. That's the you know I recently watched um still what. <sighs> Still, what was a great film? It made me cry. I yeah. recently watched Free Guy. It made me cry. I watched it at the cinema, and I do think that's part of the reason why it made me cry. Okay, Hugh's not feeling very well. So Hugh's can't drink vodka. I'm gonna feel a little bit while while Hugh recovers. I'm gonna read out a few <laughs> a few um, contributors, a few uh, from uh, from the social medias. We got so many responses to this. This was probably the most responded to thing. We've ever, we've ever done. Just stay away from the microphone, you. Fuck's sake. Uh, I'm just going to read out the first bunch. I've not, I've not prioritised or anything like that. But Luke Danger Emmett, Danger's his middle name. We need to refill. Uh, Danger's his middle name. Uh, Luke Danger Emmett said, "Obligatory Event Horizon was a film he loved that not many people do." Um, yeah, that's one of those films that people don't feel has aged well, isn't it? It's a film I haven't seen. To be fair. So Sam, what is the film that you... No, no, we're not there Oh, we're not there yet, no, no. no. Let me read out some more Facebook things while you refill your bloody beers. Uh, Lewis Nozzle uh, gave a hilarious one because it's got a one on Metascore. Hang on, Lewis Nozzle. Biodome. I've never heard. Never heard of it. But well done, Lewis. Um, Max Noble made the very good point of Children of Men. 
what he does. Wait, hang on, he didn't. He, he didn't post any ratings. I'm going to assume he loves it, but it's low rated. Or did he hate it and it's high rated? Well, I don't know. It's a question I didn't answer. Cat in the Hat. Zach Thornton. I unironically love this movie. Zach, uh, you're probably too young. Isn't I think. that? Um, That's Mike Myers. Oh, is Mike Myers? I mean, we respect you. Um, drink, drink, drink. Ellen Fike said uh, Reno 911. Reno, sorry, Reno 911, Miami. Mm. Drink. That's, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good film. Got thirty four percent on the tomato meter. Really, I've seen that. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, Jack Alexander Knowles. Alexander's my middle name. Um, completely agree. I thought Accept- it was danger. Accepted. Thirty eight percent. Never it's, heard it's of it. Basically old school, but um, after old school, but not quite as good as old school, but basically old school. Oh, it's got what's sorry. His I face? thought you meant old as in like it's an old film, but you no, meant, it's not old school. With film, a K. Old school. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like also, they they create a, a campus or something. I mean, wasn't like they create a university. How old was it's so old school? Is they create a fraternity? Well, a fraternity, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, this is a couple of years after 2006. And it's what's the fella from Jeepers Creepers, uh, Justin Long. And it's got Jonah Hill in his fattest. <laughs> Lovely. What a drink. Mm. It's really good. It's wholesome. It's life affirming. I, I completely agree with Jack. Okay. Um, the Tanisha D movie apparently has 40 on Rotten Tomatoes. I've never seen it. So, Blake Thomas, we're well with you. I'm well with you that the, t- the pick of Destiny is more than that. I'll read out two or three more. Pink Floyd The Wall has only got 47 on Metacritic absolutely right I haven't got your name there I'm so sorry about that but uh, I completely agree that should be higher Kane Burns you're right Lucky Number 11 should be higher oh Lucky Number 11 is a very good film 52 on the tomato meter tomato meter excuse me the one that Kane Burns good friend of mine now uh, because of his many comments uh, said that I genuinely thought about stealing but neither were quite below 50 was The Cable Guy that's a good film which we love I do like But you know The Simpsons said You nearly ruined Jim Carrey's career It was just a good film Oh it's a brilliant film It's kind of against type A little bit Two amazing actors Really good With the lisp and the Yeah Yeah. Drink Oh fuck it all Oh fuck Oh fuck (laughs) Uh, Let's see Um, Clue Apparently Which I haven't seen But it's based on Sort of Cluedo But looks good With uh, what's his face Tim Curry and the rest Yeah Only 39 That's number 33 By the way and thank you no we, we, four. Oh, 34 34 35 35 anyway you said yeah. 38 let's, we're, 35 because the time we've been apparently Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas got a very low score and a couple yeah, more Man on Fear Fire great film has to be said one I've of my only top. seen about 20% of it Man on Fire I've seen basically he he takes the little girl in the car and then I turned it off for some reason. Well, I've been it was looking, late at night. It was on like BBC One. I've been looking for an excuse to have my good friend Tom Snazzy on and it's one of his favourite films. Like one of his favourite directors. Sorry, you've got a friend called Tom Snazzy. Well, his name is Tom Shinazzi. His name is Tom Shinazzi? Tom Snazzy. It sounds Snazzy. It's uh, Hungarian? Anyway, a good friend of mine. Uh, he loved name. it and he made me watch it. It's Denzel film. Really good. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll add that onto your list. Ken okay. Burns, you really come in. He said the one as well. The one only had 14% on the tomato meter. Good film. You, saw, you showed me that, I think, when we were about 14. <laughs> Did I? Jet Lee. It's good fun. It's yeah. not a great film, but it's good fun. It's just amazing. It definitely played on the fact that The Matrix was very popular and used the yeah, used the, that as its enjoyable. Book. Bray Port had some great choices for the films he loves. Van mm. Helsing, which I actually never loved, but I was kind of 
at the right age to enjoy. Uh, I think for me, that's just one above League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, but I, would, I don't know. I think because my girlfriend at the time loved Hugh Jackman, and so I watched it a few times, and maybe I should dislike it more. Uh, and yeah, also, final like. one, Ian Williams, um, a film yeah. I watched and really liked. It was um, in a four-film day, which is a rare, rare thing. As Above, So Below. And it's, I believe, a group of people... Of oh, we haven't... Oh, the time we've missed a drink, haven't we? We've, we've, we've drink, drink, drink. Uh, oh, we've two, two drinks. Two, okay, drinks, two drinks. One. Okay. Mm. One. <clears throat> two. Uh, it's a team of. Um, Jeez, we're not even halfway through. Archaeologists or something who are going under the Eiffel Tower or something. In, in archaeologists Paris. under the Eiffel Tower or something. And oh but it's a good thing they're going, and it seems like they're going to the center of hell. Um, quite a good jump scares and such. Yeah. And it only got uh, twenty six on Tomatoma. I tell you what, I bet Tomato Meter. So just, thank you just, for that very much. I don't know if I credit you already. I will say your name is of course Ian Williams. I bet a film that we've all overlooked here that's going to be like very popular. But got an awful rating because it's not very good film. <laughs> but it is like popular. Is the core with um, Aaron Eckhart? I never saw it. I never saw. I've seen never bits of it. it. I saw the end of it. I saw the last hour of it once, and it was good fun. My suggestion is that we drink. Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's drink time, isn't it? So that's likey likey. I think we go for a break right now. Yeah, because we've, we've been out of half an hour. Let's give him a break. We'll have some more drinks, and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the second part of uh, the 100th episode, Extravaganza. It also happens, Sam, that it's our basically our two-year anniversary since basically. we started this podcast. I think we're about a week behind. Yeah. It? Or a couple of weeks by this time comes out. Yeah, I think we started on like the uh, yeah. 19th. Let's, 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 oh, let's, 2019. let's mutually enjoy ourselves at this point and say enjoy. that, God, did you think we'd make it this far? To two years and 100 two episodes. Two years and 100 episodes, yeah. Um... Do you know what? Excuse me. Yeah, I probably did actually, because I knew how tenacious <laughs> you could be with stuff like this. <laughs> Very much the pit balls of podcasting. Cheers, Yeah, Jake. I think... That's good to know, though. I think you were very keen to get more than at least ten episodes. And, you know, it wasn't a flash in the pan. It was about two years in the making that we were like, we should make, an episode. We should make yeah. a podcast. What should we do about, I don't know, films or something? Personally, I didn't think we would do one a week. No. I thought it'd be maybe one or two a month, and you were very much the driver of let's do one a week. I like the regularity and so on. Yeah, and it's that, just if the listener numbers have gone up instead of down, that'd been yeah, that'd have been really yeah. you know top. But it's always out there. Do you know what I mean? You it's always it's a, it's a hobby with a product, and it's not a career. It, it, and, um, exactly, we're, there. we're enjoying. And it, it only takes like a mention on one big podcast to get like a thousand listens for but, one episode but listener if you're here we love you as much as we'd love a thousand or two thousand or yeah. ten thousand listeners we cherish our work. we cherish you Decor- My new we audience. cherish you Ben we cherish we cherish ben, all of you we juicy cherish- you're all wonderful people that know the wind beneath our wings as you can tell yeah. so I should mention uh, since, the, since the last one we've, we've been away for a little bit we drank a bit more drink we drank a bit more I'm going to drink a bit more now Ooh. so we're going to get more sentimental listeners and um yeah, we've been to Asda, we got more booze. More booze. Basically, we had to stock up on booze. We, we didn't realise how much we had to drink. <laughs> anyway. Vodka wasn't working. Vodka wasn't working for Hugh, so he went and composed himself. We got some yeah. smooth liqueur with a smooth tiger liqueur. on the front. I'm looking forward to this. Crocodile on the front. It genuinely... Oh, 
I've got like four or five more drinks until I get to drink it. So listen, if you're drinking it along, pause it now, go to Asda, pick up some sm- smooth liqueur, pick, pick up another 18 can yeah. crate of yeah. stuff and carry on with this. Yeah. We're going to move on to my film. Your film. So a film that is not well received mm. by the critics and Andy and or audience, yeah. but you like for no reason other than you just like it and you enjoy it yeah I know, and, uh, and you I, haven't told me what it is so I'm I curious. haven't told you what it is this is oh, this is the spontaneity of our show this is the spontaneity this, this is our is, USP Sam this is the part where you like me and in the second half is where you hate me for my choices I hated you for a while mm. it's very warm beer so mm. the film I've chosen yes it's about 20 years old now okay I've got 33 on Metacritic yeah uh, tell me when you get it it stars Sean Bean it stars... Is it The Island? Emily Watson. It stars... That bloke, what's the sort of cockney bad guy. It also stars Christian Bale. 20-year-old film with Christian Cleric Bale. John Preston. Oh, it's Equilibrium. The film, of course, is Equilibrium. Oh, I like Equilibrium. I lo- we love Equilibrium. I, it's not It's not amazing, but it's not Metacritic terrible. 33%. I love what? it. I love it. I love it unabashedly. I what's the it? audience score? Oh, I didn't go to that sort of research. Have, level. have a look. Because basically, I thought, oh, 33% metric. I'll film while you 33 the metric gone. means I can use it, and we're going to drink soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, means I can use it. I'm not going to go further and discount it. Cheers. Yeah, drink. Mm. Again, listen, if you're playing along, we're going to be way out of sync with you because we've gone for breaks and such. Um, well, that was always the plan, though, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So my internet's not working. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Equilibrium. I'll, I'll check. I'll check. 33% you on tell Metacritic. Me, tell me what the critics I'm going to tell you what Elvis Mitchell of the New York Times said. He said, if someone had left 984, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, Gattaca and Silver Cicillone, Pot Boilers, Judge Dredd and Demolition Man out in the sun and through the runny glop onto a movie screen, it would still be better picture than Equilibrium, a movie that could be stupider only if it was longer. And Dennis Lim said, the village voice, as this clueless, bulimic debacle madly regurgitates ideas and iconography from Lang to the brothers Wachowski, uh, from the siblings Wachowski, I should say, Lenny Reifenstahl to L. Ron Hubbard, Ray Bradbury to Susan Faludi. It's not just Bale who has a hard time keeping a straight face. Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post said, equally means like a remake of 1984 by someone who's seen The Matrix 25 times while he can eat in <laughs> Twinkies and doing methamphetamines. Drink. Drink indeed, yeah. Mm. I went from a warm beer to a cold beer. Um, people didn't like it. The critics didn't like it, I should say. The audience score is probably quite good. Me and you were like on a on a par with this. We I... love it. Yeah, we love it. Surely. You love it or you just really like yeah. it? Oh, no. I, I remember, basically, I, the only reason I ever watched Equilibrium was because he'd been cast as as Batman. And I just wanted to watch a film where he was basically playing... A Batman-esque character. Yeah, and it has to be said, IMDb, 7.4 out of 10 was the kind of audience score. Right. I'm Rotten Tomatoes, so I'll have a look here for you. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, see, this classic. is... This is... So, Tomato Meter, where it's the um, Crit- office critics, it got 41%. What a great choice, by the way. Thank but you. the audience score is 81%, so it's, it's a really high audience You score. see these with the kind of film where I think the critics are too smart. The, two- the critics think they're too smart to enjoy it. And I'll tell you what critic wasn't too smart to enjoy it. Was it Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert said... Hang on, you've got to give a pause for Roger Ebert. (laughs) 
I'm going to have to put it in about six times. So many times, because yeah. I've got it for both my I've got it for both as well, yeah. Um, Roger Ebert gave it three stars out of four, so fuck all the other critics. Equilibrium would be a mindless action picture, except that it has a mind. It doesn't do a lot of deep thinking, but unlike many futuristic combos of sci-fi and uh, FX, uh, you know, special effects, yeah. it does make a statement. Freedom of opinion is a threat to totalitarian systems. It is. There are a lot more similar battles. He talks about uh, that, that battle where they go and uh, they're going after the first sense offenders, and he breaks. Through, he t- tells them turn off the lights, and he goes through the door, and he kind of shoots everybody. And it's kind of this like frenetic oh, lighting bit's, show. That bit's really good. Isn't Badass. It? And he says there are a lot more similar battles, which are pure kinetic energy mo- uh, made of light, uh, noise, and quick cutting. Drink. Drink. Cheers. He says they seem to have been assembled for victims of um, ADHD, uh, who were a large voting block at the box office these days. The dispassionate observer, such as myself, refusing to sense offence my way through such scenes, can nevertheless admire such a technical exercise. It is such a fun film, and we saw it in our early teens. It's a film that tries to be serious, but is ultimately quite fun. It's camp, isn't it, in many ways. It's sort of Lost Boys camp. And I have to say that one of my favourite novels in 1984 that yes. I've, got, I've got to try I've, made, I've tried to make you love it and you haven't quite yet read it I've not finished it yet no and I was disappointed by the 1984 film with John Hurt right not because it was dis, uh, it was not because it was unfaithful to the book or anything like that I just didn't feel anything in that because it was just a retelling of the novel this, you wanted some sort of like Kubrick-esque retelling. There was this just this great thing, like there's a great scene where the Can't sense of It's um, it's oh. the uh, hard liquor oh, time. Oh, fucking hard liquor. Okay, here we go. Cheers. Cheers. I'm going to taste this that you bought. Um, there's a scene oh. where <coughs> that's not bad. Despite, despite the cough, smooth. Yeah, much better than vodka. Oh, there's a scene where the impound and burn let's face it burn a lot of sense offence stuff and art and poetry and stuff mm. but he's feeling about that time and he plays Beethoven's Ninth Symphony mm. which I'm fully expecting you to put the effort into edit and into here oh, shit. and he cries and uh, it's just a really lovely moment and it's genuinely I prefer this to the John Hurt 1984 film as in terms of here's what a repressive state does to somebody. Just enjoyed the film more. Yeah. You know, like the the, the John Hurt film was a again faithful rendition, and I just didn't feel feel anything. And I love that novel, and this mm. film did it. And it's so corny and I can't believe and it's like such an underrated film in terms of critics. Again, it's. It, I think it's because oh, you're joking. No. <laughs> critics often bad critics think they're smarter than general audiences. Okay. And so this is exactly the sort of film where they go, huh, general audiences think this is good. That's because they're stupid. But a good critic like Rodrigo is like, well, sometimes when you watch a good film, you should be stupid to it. You should just enjoy it for what it is. And, and I think yeah. he cracked it out of the park with his review. I agree with it. Any other critics that you got? Well, I've, I've listed like three or four. <laughs> that was, you know, there's plenty. And I mean, mm. you, you love it. What, what is your? Why do you? Oh like yeah, it? no, I thought I just remember watching it and thinking it was solid, and it had a good, good storyline, good protagonist. I really like the fact when he goes to fight, he's like quote unquote partner, and he just yeah. cuts him in half without him through the book. No, he cuts that guy. He literally cuts his oh, head the, off. Oh, the, the no, the big boss guy. Sean Bean is his partner. No, the other partner that he gets given the boss. Drink. The boss. Yeah, but that's it. And, and you know, Sean Bean. No, the the the, the other. That's the big big guy. No, what's the character? The um, 
So there's the big brother character who's actually dead, and and then spoiler alert, black guy. Oh, the black guy. Uh, yeah, he just cut him in half. You're absolutely right. I mean, come on, he's the only black guy in the film. He is the only black guy in the film. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ty uh, Diggs. Ty Diggs. Yeah. Why yeah. Ty Diggs not been in more shit? He's a good actor. And I quite like Sean Bean's. Uh, is it Yates? I think he's quoting because he stole Yates from uh, Sense Offender. Really? Sense Offender, and he's. Uh, what oh, yeah, Emily, tread lightly because you tread on my dreams Emily Watson who I think and is, you've not seen I think it is Emily Watson isn't it uh, Angela's Ashes has she in Angela's Ashes yeah Robert Carlyle yeah, she completely won me over in Cemetery Junction actually that was the first time oh, I was yeah, like Europe's oh this is this absolute... isn't in here actually it's time to drink <laughs> oh that's you know that, that would have been a perfect choice it would have been a good choice for you yeah I feel like the, the reception to Cemetery Junction was lukewarm mm-hmm. rather than negative. Really? But Emily Watson, yeah, f- killed me. Oh, no, it's not Emily Watson. Oh, killed no, me in Cemetery Junction. Yeah, Emily, you've not seen Angela Sessions, have you? Well, she killed me in Cemetery Junction. She's killed me in this. She's wonderful in Breaking the Waves and she can act with her eyebrows better than anyone Oh, she's a great actress. And... She's wonderful and, yeah, tread lightly she because plays... she's tread on my dreams. No, she doesn't. She plays the Julia character of 1984 in this. She plays a love interest who's a sense offender <laughs> while he's battling with his f- sense of how right the party is. She's I mean, like, honestly... She's what, like eight years older than him in real life. Older than Christine Bale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crikey. But she doesn't look it. And, and, no, uh, she's Hollywood you know, beautiful, isn't she? She's wonderful. And she's a good actress. She's not just beautiful, but she is a good actress. She's somebody who couldn't get by on her looks, but is good no, looking enough to drink. be a really good actor. And, uh, yeah, I sincerely love Equilibrium. But, uh, you know, but I understand. When was the last time you watched it, then? A few years. Five years ago, maybe. Five years ago. Yeah. It is a good film. But yes. I fully understand the... I fully understand why people disliked it at the time, but I think it's more than that. So I love it. I think it's... I don't think it's done as well as it could have in terms... Like, when you think of Christian Bale, you think Batman, American Psycho... American Hustle, you know, all these, you know, even um, the one where he plays uh, Vice, where he plays Dick Cheney. I suppose, yeah, Prestige and so Prestige, yeah, yeah, that's an amazing film. Uh, you think all these films, but you don't think Equilibrium, but Equilibrium was like, it's in his oeuvre, isn't it? It shows what he can do. There was something in the, I think, Ebert review, which was something like, he can look dispassionately at something that is... Excuse me, listener. Dead air is a crime. Yeah, we dead air. I'll, I'll edit all this. Uh, Don't worry about it. Time to drink. There was something in the Roger Rebert review which was um, he can look dispassionately at, uh, you know, a murderous event yeah. better than anyone. And he does that when they, spoiler alert, kill his wife. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he, it's almost like the same guy who made American Psycho a year later. He's in that... Well, in, well, American Psycho was made before this. Oh, within that year, I should say. I yeah. think it, American, it's almost like no, bringing is, in Patrick American Bateman. Psycho was made in two thousand. This 2000, is two thousand two. It's bringing in that Patrick Bateman energy. It is a weird disconnect between audience score and Metacritic. It happens a lot with this sort yeah. of film. Where again, I think the critics want to let everyone know that they've read nine eighty four, and this isn't nine eighty four, and, and it's Fahrenheit. camper than that. What's the, what's the song? What's Fahrenheit four five one. Four five one. And uh, the, drink by the way. The, he, uh, they need everyone to know that they're smarter than this film. 
which is what makes Roger Ebert better than most critics because he's willing to say that this is a good film well, yeah, exactly. even if you can exactly even if you can be too smart for it yeah because if you're too smart for it well that's your fault <laughs> no I I'm, do you know what Sam I'm fully on board with this as a choice because yeah. it's a film I like I enjoyed I haven't watched it in a long time in all fairness Um I probably would have watched it again if I'd known you were going to pick it. This was just the spontaneity to, versus preparation. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen what it... Because it's 20... It's 19 years old now. So. Yeah, it's basically 20, 20 years old. Yeah, basically 20 years old. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen what I would have thought now. Cause but genuinely, as you scan through the film in your mind, you're kind of like... Yeah, this is kind of like Matrix-infused camp silliness. but it And it's like hitting you over the head with its message. I always liked the fact that his kids... Uh, drink, by the way. Yeah, just like in 1984, the children are trained. The children are trained to be to be grasses on their parents. You know, the, tra- the children are trained. Well, I always to... like the fact that the kids turned out that they weren't taking their drugs. Yeah, yeah again, spoiler alert. Um, so, generally speaking, Equilibrium is bloody fantastic. I can't believe that's a 19 year old film. People were wrong to, to doubt it. Christian Bale is a god. And, uh, he is good, isn't he? I think we're ready to hear some contributors. Contributors. It's a good idea. On the liking. Hey guys, so the um, first film I want to mention, that's um, rated below 50%, uh, I think it's rated at 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, that I really like is a film called Let's Scare Jessica to Death, um, it's a 1970s horror film, it's a really creepy slow burner um, that it's difficult to recommend to anyone who, who isn't a fan of fan of horror films because I think they quite find it a bit silly, um, but Definitely, if you buy into it, it's one that really gets under your skin. Um, it's about a, a woman who's recently been released from a, a mental a mental hospital, um, and she's um, she's moved out to the country with a, a husband and a, and a friend, and they've to buy a farmhouse. Um, and she starts seeing visions of things, um, people, and, and dead bodies, and all that sort of thing, and. There's a woman in. There was a woman squatting in the house that they invite to stay, um, and she starts thinking that she's uh, she's there for nefarious reasons. Um, but she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to say anything because obviously she's worried about um, worried about being sent back uh, to the hospital and whether people will believe her. And she also doesn't know if she believes what she's seeing um, as well. And it really it really builds up um, to a really creepy ending. Uh, there's no, there's no real jump scares. It's, it's low budget. There's uh, some, of, some of the acting's not, not, not amazing. But I think it was, I think it's definitely one that gets under your skin. If you, and if you like that sort of thing, I definitely, definitely recommend watching it. Uh, it's also, it's also interesting that you see, that you, it's kind of a, a comment on mental illness as well and how people are treated. Um, and. I think what 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 makes it good is that you hear her own internal monologue all the way through, um, and it's kind of conflicting. Kind of, you get this sense that she knows she's not safe, but then she's worried about what people think and whether she believes herself or not. And yeah, it, I think it was um, I think it was one of Rod Serling's that created the Twilight Zone. He 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 um, he was a big fan, and I think Stephen King as well. Um, said it was one of the most frightening films they've seen, but it's definitely one you have to buy into. Not 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 like a a standard jump scare sort of. This is frightening for everyone. Hi there, it's Dakota from Contra Zoom Pod, your favorite Canadian podcaster. 
First off, congratulations to two absolute lads on getting to 100 episodes. It seems just like yesterday I started listening to your show, right around episode 49, just before my first guest appearance. Frankly, I just need to understand what I was getting involved with and if it was a complete waste of my time. Turns out it was only sort of a waste of my precious time that I could have used to watch even more movies to make Sam jealous of having seen nearly everything already. I'm just kidding. Sam and Hugh have been so gracious letting me come on to the Please Watch This family a few times, and I was only too happy to have them guesting on the other side of the pond. Every episode, regardless if I've seen the movie or not, is must-listen-to entertainment for me. I love playing along to the quizzes and seeing if I could at least tie whoever is playing each week. Now, you asked me about a movie I really like that has a terrible Metacritic score, and one that I hate that has a great Metacritic score. I love this idea, but at first I was terrified by this proposition. I only watch good movies. How could I possibly do this? Well, I decided on a whim to look up one of my favorite movies of all time, one I actually used to use as a litmus test for any girl I was dating while in college. Maybe I should have checked the Metacritic score of 55 first because most of my dates, up until I started seeing my future wife, did not like the 2001 Guy Ritchie crime masterpiece, Snatch. Reviews included, One could argue a lock, stock, and Snatch are essentially the same movie, crime comedies marked by an outlandish visual style, which raises the question of whether Ritchie has the range to do anything else. Or... It takes a very clever schoolboy to make a movie as elaborately empty as Guy Ritchie's Snatch. Ouch. I don't care. I love this uber-complicated movie about a diamond heist, a throne boxing match, and a very dangerous pig farmer. Hi, Sam and Hugh. It's the suspiciously named Joe Blakely here. Um, congratulations on 100 episodes. So proud of you guys. I think I'll just um, give you my contributions. The film that I loved... Um, that was, wasn't critically well received was, um, White House Down, or as I call it, Roland Emmerich decides to blow up the White House yet again. Um, it's, uh, it's a boring man film, which I know Sam loves, and it uses every single action movie cliche in the book. It's one of the dumbest films I've ever seen, and that's why I love it. Welcome back. So now what we're going to do, Sam, is we're going to find out the films, or the film, should I say. Well, our, fil- our films. The film that I I don't like, but is well received by critics and audiences. Now, you don't know what that is, do you? You've not a notion. Not you're, a notion. You're like, Hugh, Hugh, tell me what film Just is that you don't like. Okay, if I had to guess. So it's films you don't like that people like. I have yeah. no idea. Okay, what if I said it was from the 1960s? Keep going. What if I say Zarathustra's Spake? What, The Spake? The Spake Zarathustra. What film does that invoke? Oh, that's not the film, okay. Um, Well, that music's in in the film, so what does it invoke in your mind? Is it 2001 A Space Odyssey? It is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, lads, lads. If you're interested in, uh, you know, if you want to respond to Hugh's views, get in touch at Please Watch Pod. Hugh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, tell me more. Well, so I only watched this film about five years ago, originally. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I, I mean, I say I watched it, I tried to watch it. 
I got to um, what's what's colloquially known as the Stargate sequence. Right. So the film started on BBC Two at about 10 o'clock at night, right? So nearly two hours later, I'm sat watching... Drink. Oh, drink. I forgot about that. God. Beer goes down badly after a while, doesn't it? After a while. Again, listener, we've been drinking more than you've been listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're in the 60s now, I think. I'm done. <laughs> 67, I think that was. Yeah. So I'm sat watching this film thinking, oh, well, uh, this is a classic film and I should watch it all the way to the end. I could not sit to the end of this film. I just could not do it the first time I watched it. It's such a chore to me. <laughs> such an effort. So would you like to hear what some of the critics said? Please. So we're going to start with, uh, we've already mentioned him tonight, but uh, our fan favourite, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. So this is a Roger Ebert review of 2001, from actually from 1997. Drink. I mean, don't, don't burp down the microphone. So, Rog, Roger, Rog. Yeah, so, obviously this is basically 19 years after the film came out, so Roger's had some time to think about this film. And in all fairness to Rog, he went to see this film when it first came out. Oh, yeah. So this is what the prevailing view of, uh, of 2001 A Space Odyssey is. The genius is not how much Stanley Kubrick does in 2001 A Space Odyssey, but in how little... This is the work of an artist so sublimely confident that he doesn't include a single shot simply to keep our attention, Sam, to keep it. He reduces each scene to its essence and leaves it on screen long enough for us to contemplate it, to inhabit it in our imagination. Alone among science fiction movies, 2001 is not concerned Drink. with thrilling us, but with inspiring our awe. He's just that you all wasn't inspired here. Now I'm not saying I didn't. I wasn't inspired by all with this film. This film is a good film. Yeah, I'm not pretending it's not a good film. I'm not pretending that it hasn't invoked the imagination of thousands of filmmakers before it. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear some more of what Eber has yeah. to say about this? Only a few films are transcendent and work upon our minds and imaginations like music or prayer or a vast belittling landscape. (laughs) Most movies are about character with a goal in mind who obtain it after difficulties, either comic or dramatic. 2001 A Space Odyssey is not about a goal, but about a quest, a need. It does not hook its effects or... Drink. Oh, drink. Sorry, Rog. Oh, God, I'm really sick. Don't be sick. <laughs> it does not hook a, It does not hook its effects on specific plot points, nor does it ask us to identify with Dave Bowman or any other character. It says to us, we became men when we learnt to think. Our mind has given us the tools to understand whether we live and sorry where we live and who we are now it's time to move on to the next step to know that we live not on a planet but among the stars 
and that we are not flesh but Fuck intelligent. Yeah. So what rating do you think of Big Dave? <laughs> Big Dave. Dave. Hello, Dave. Big what do you Dave. think of Big Rog Dave? Ten out of ten. Oh, we're on to the uh, hard liquor. Oh, please. Yeah. Please. Have you got vodka? Now, now. That's an experience. Tell me more about Dave Eber. How many stars, Sam? Four. Cause four. Yeah. You've had 19 years to think about it. You've had 19 years to think about equilibrium. And it's well, well spent. Yeah. What is your opinion? Have you seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? I turned it off. I turned it off after 20 minutes. After <laughs> 20? What, after the I'm monkeys? I'm sick of the monkeys. I couldn't stand the monkeys anymore. The sim- they're not even monkeys. They're like simians. Uh, apes, I couldn't get... I just didn't... I didn't... Personally, for me, I quite enjoy the bit with the, the, the monkeys. I quite... En- I even like the fact... I, it's not engaging, but I like the mystery that they set up behind. They yeah. have the drink. They have the. Um, no, I'm not kidding. They have the guy go to um, the moon and find the monolith there. What film doesn't? It's very engaging, and you're like, "Oh, this is a mystery." Yeah. For me, when it breaks down, is I've got a murder robot for no reason, yeah. or a murder intelligence. So, obviously, Big Rog, we we respect Roger here at uh, Please Watch This. But basically, what I didn't like about this film is it's too long. Drink. It doesn't respect drinking. Famously. It's it's very too long. Like, like the part where... um, one of the uh, American scientists, he he video calls his daughter and he, we have a whole scene where he's talking to his daughter about birthday. What? We don't need that. We could have easily gone from, um, you know, like I love all those stuff with the monkeys, right? All the stuff with the simians, that's great. That's like, here's man, we're figuring out tools. Here's tools, we figure out what we can do with tools. And then you've got this whole fucking section where it's like here watch a person or watch a person put a floating pen into somebody's pocket and there's far too much of that shit in this film now I know it's 1968 or 1970 or 1967 when the film was probably made you know all this stuff was amazing and unusual and wasn't special and I get that but I don't need to see it in like excruciatingly slow detail you know um, it's just for me it's overlong it's boring and it's style over substance there's there's a lot of like this film pretends to be about grand things about human intelligence about our place in the stars and human evolution and you know the the monolith was the the, the thing from being fucking nothing to being something and it shows the monkey I would rather watch a film for an hour and a half where the monkeys figure out how to use tools than the rest of this film like why why does Hal malfunction there's no explanation to why Hal malfunctions is there have you you seen an explanation 
Not to my knowledge, no. No, there's no explanation. And I googled it, and apparently it's because his primary function doesn't um, meet up with his... The fact that the um, people who sent him off on the mission told him to lie to Dave and Frank. Hmm. And it just doesn't make sense, because they would never send an artificial attention artificial intelligence out to the stars that couldn't deal with those situations mm. it, it, they would have run they would have run um, all those things yeah fair and it, so his murderous like escapades just don't make sense in this film at all um, the psychodo- basically the first time I ever watched this film and I must admit I only watched it uh, 2016 was the first time I watched this film Drink. so it's on Oh, drink, 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 drink. So, the first time I watched this film was only five years ago. Right? It was on BBC Two about 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this film. It's Stanley Kubrick. It's I like Stanley Kubrick. I like... Um, oh, what's the... Uh, I love all... I love a lot of his films. You're well into stuff. Oh, like um, Full Metal Jacket. What film? Oh, all, the st- all the space stuff. Yeah, oh, he's so good in Full, full Metal Jacket. Is so a great film. space stuff, yeah. You know, he did Spartacus. He did A Clockwork Orange. How good is A Clockwork Shining, Orange? Shining, which you never saw. The Shining, which we've watched on this podcast, which I wasn't 100% on board with, but I got how good it was. Like, The Shining was made 12 years after this film. Mm. 12 years. Yeah. And it's like he learnt nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all, and he he just put style before the the substance. Shot. So, what is it that makes your opinion on this film different to people? Why you know people love it? Why don't you love it? I just well, do you want to hear the the, the view of yeah. a critic from the time in 1968 who was ambivalent at best? And this is from uh, Time Magazine. Now, I don't have a name attached to this Time Magazine review. So it's... I've, re- I've read the Roger Ebert review to you. So in depicting interplanetary flight 33 years from now, director Stanley Kubrick and his co-scenarist Arthur C. Clarke, England's widely respected, uh, widely respected and science fiction writer, dwells endlessly on the qualities of space travel Unfortunately, they ignore such old-fashioned elements as character and conflict. Drink. So they ignore some conflicts and characters. They ignore character and conflict. As the ship arcs through the planetary void in its... Void, it is an object of remarkable beauty. But... In an effort to convey the idea of careening motion, the soundtrack accompanying the trek plays the Blue Danube until the banality undoes the stunning photography. So basically, the the fact that they play Blue Danube just doesn't match up with the photography on screen. Fair enough. Uh, he goes on to whoever wrote this goes on to say. The film's best effects do not occur until the second part, Drink. but when they arrive. Ooh, is this number... This is a ten. That's a vodka shot. Are you joking? No, no, no. Uh, 
Welcome to the drunk episode. The Blue Danube, until the film's banality and does the stunning photography. The film's best effects do not occur until the second part, as I mentioned. But when they the but when they arrive, the, they provide the screen with some of the technical achievements in the history of motion picture. Mind bender is what this author says. After a wrenching struggle, Duella manages to disarm the mutations. Mute, sorry, uh, Duella managed to disarm Drink. mutinous Hal Nine Thousand. Uh, after wrenching struggle, do do Dullelia or Dullia? I don't know how you pronounce his name. Managed to disarm the mutinous Hal just as Discovery One enters the orbit of Jupiter. There, there he sees the object of his trip, the omnipresent slab. He heads for it, and suddenly, conventional dimensions vanish. And suddenly, conventional, uh, sorry, and su- and suddenly, conventional dimensions vanish. An avalanche of eerie kinetic effects attacks the eye and bends the mind. Kubrick turns the scene into a uh, planetarium gone mad and provides the viewer with a closer equivalent to psychedelic experience. This side of Great. hallucinogenics. At the end, beyond time and space. Julia apparently learns the secret of the universe, only to find that, as Churchill said about Russia, as Churchill said about Russia, it is a riddle wrapped in a mystery, inside an enigma. And that's Time Magazine. And that is Time Magazine. That was a nineteen six minutes nineteen sixty eight review of. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I do wish I'd seen more of it too. Have, have you seen it is the real no, question. No, I, I gave up on it early on. I, I, I like the idea of seeing the influence of the things. Dave, I'm sorry I can't uh, open the door right now, sort of thing. Hello Dave. But I, uh, yeah, it's on my list. It's on my list. So, 2001 A Space Odyssey is a film that I don't like that generally has had a massive impact on cinema. What is the film that you don't like that has had such an influence on. I'm genuine. I don't know this listener, so I'm genuinely intrigued to hear what Sam says. It is going to blow your bloody socks off. I'm right? hoping we can argue about this. To be this honest. is iconic. Okay. Top tier in yeah. every respect. Seven point eight on IMDb. Yeah. Oscar nominated. Inspired multiple sequels. Still going on today, but even though it's forty years old, my face is a gassed. genuine cinema classic. Okay. Like proper, like iconic. Yeah. Right up there, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, that sort of stuff. Fucking drink, I suppose, is what we're gonna do mm. first. Obviously. Mm. We like drinking with Sam right. because Sam is our mate, and when we drink with Sam, we get drunk. Go on then. In order to make this palatable, I have to confess it's not a film I hate. It's a film I think isn't as good as what what everyone else thinks. Out. You know, Go I don't like Star Wars as much as everyone else. Yeah, we we, we covered Empire Strikes Back. So you weren't you weren't a big fan. It starts with a G. Then it's an H. Then it's an O. It's the film. Ghostbusters. What? 1984. <gasps> Ghost. 
Ghostbusters. Like, you don't like Ghostbusters. For the uh, sake of the audience, Hugh actually gasped. Actually gasped. Now, I'm going to give you some critical review, as if you don't know that Ghostbusters is loved. Right. You don't like Ghostbusters. None other than Roger Ebert gave it three out of four Just before we start the critical review... I'm going to try and pick my... Um, drink? Draw up the floor. Oh, yeah, drink. So who's going who's gonna to try and pink his drawer up the floor? I'm not going to lie to you, ladies and gentlemen. I did not know that Sam disliked this film. And the point is, really, that I loved it. Before. Before what? For years I loved it. I loved it. It's, it's iconic. The, the, the soundtrack, the everything... All that stuff. I watched it as a child. Yeah. Really what it came down to is in 2016, I watched it uh, in some like screen on the green thing with my partner. And we both came away cold. Just didn't, didn't get anything from it. Nothing. We felt nothing. What? <laughs> so listen, in case you need a reassurance that this is a film that was critical. Oh, for fuck's sake. Drink again. Oh, drink. Time to drink. Oh, my God. So, listen, in case you need, you know, reassurance that this is not a, a obscure film, Roger Ebert gave a 3.5 out of 4. That's Ghostbusters is a head-on collision between two comic approaches that have rarely worked together very successfully. This time they do. It's a special effects blockbuster and a sly dialogue movie. This movie is an exception to the general rule that big special effects can wreck a comedy... Special effects require painstaking detail work. Comedy requires spontaneity and improvisation, or at least that's what it should feel like, no matter how much work has gone into it. None other than Roger Ebert loved this film. You don't like the ghost. You, sorry, you don't like Ghostbusters. I uh, just to feel nothing. When was the last time you watched it? Last night. Oh, and I feel nothing. I feel okay. nothing. So you don't. So you don't like Egon and Venkman and Sigourney Weaver and drink, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to drink in astonishment. I honestly like. I genuinely thought, oh, that's a film I love, like Back to the Future and stuff like that. And I watched it. I don't know five years ago with my partner, and we just we just were like, there's a phrase we used to use a lot in the pod, but we don't really use recently, which is it left me cold. This left you cold. It left me cold. No humour. I, I can't. I can't. Did it, give. Did, it, did it pass the six laughs? Laugh test then. No, but I'd seen it a lot, and I can't give an analytical review. I've been, I've been really struggling for the last few days with knowing that I'm going to give Ghostbusters, and I can't give a A to Z of why it's not very good. I can only give an emotional reaction, which is none. You. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to say. It's time to drink. Is it already fucking time to? You know, there's there's objective things like it made heroes of the villains and villains of the heroes. The heroes are the EPA who are trying to stop these guys because they are basically, as Dan Aykroyd said, carrying a nuclear whatever on their back, and they don't proton packs. Yeah, yeah, and the guy, the bad guy. Is the good guy? I mean, you're trying to stop these fucking madheads doing what they want to do because because <laughs> it's bad for everybody and it is bad for everybody. 
And I just felt nothing. I felt nothing. The jokes don't age very well. But, I mean, there's a bit of gender politics, which if you're into that, it's, it doesn't age very well with Bill Murray and Shaw, his lecherous character, but it just feels a bit exploitative and just, just doesn't land. But it's and Ghostbusters, Sam. This is it. It's Ghostbusters, and I fall for it, and I, I love the song, and I love, my, you know, I love Drink. all that. But when did you last see it, honestly? Okay, well, if we're talking Ghostbusters, like, the last time I saw it, I don't remember the last time I saw it. It was yeah. a good few years ago. But, you watched it as a child, as I did, but, and we loved but, it. But, no, no, no. It was iconic. I, I watched Ghostbusters 2. Like, I had a video of Ghostbusters 2, and I used to watch it on repeat. Iconic. Brilliant film. As yeah. is the first. They're both... Like, I know Ghostbusters 2 isn't as good as the first one, but the first one's so it's good. on a par. So funny. The second one is so good, it gave me nightmares. But I just haven't seen it since I was 12, 14. And when and when you watched it recently, you were just like, yeah, no. Sl- slotty, tabby. We're 10 seconds away from a drink, but I, can I, can't, I can't believe you hate ghosts. Not hate ghosts. No, you don't hate it. Just, I just, just was so... You just like, don't feel for it, do you? I was reluctantly against it. I watched it, if listener, if you want to know, in um, in London, screen on the green kind of thing. And mm. yeah, we just sort of... Nothing. I'm, I'm we sh- felt nothing. I'm, well, ladies and gentlemen, a hundred. And I watched this it again episode, this week. What's this episode? One hundred. I watched it again this week, and it was just. I felt nothing. Did you just watch Ghostbusters one? Yeah. Yeah, and I nearly you watched fell asleep. Two, did you? I just felt nothing. What about Rick Morales and Sigourney Weaver? I felt Weaver? nothing. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Bill Murray. Dan Aykroyd. They're just so good in this film. Yeah, I felt. I felt nothing. I uh, I am shocked, and disappointed but appalled no I'm not appalled because I'm not gonna you know why it's like, it's one of those things where it's time to take a shot <sighs> ladies and gentlemen we're taking a shot just that's where there's a break I'm not appalled because I believe everyone has an opinion good and I personally I don't get it but I can see it you know mm. I can understand why you might not like Oh, love Ghostbusters. I think generally, personally, it's one of the best comedy films of the 80s. It's one of the best, like, high-budget films of the 80s. Um, It's just an all-round great film. But if it feels you... If it leaves you cold... Like, would you rather watch, say, Airplane or Ghostbusters? Oh, Airplane twice. There you go. If if it just doesn't tickle your humours, then... Yeah. What about um, Ghostbusters 2? I haven't seen it for a long time since I was a child and it was genuinely terrifying so when was the last time you watched it time to drink drink oh god so we've both got films that so can I ask you is it Ghostbusters 1 or Ghostbusters 2 that you don't like you're like 1 so we both have films that are very well received because yeah. Ghostbusters 2 had a lot of negative reactions to it yeah but I, I just through nostalgia have a more a stronger reaction to mm. Ghostbusters 2 than 1 so what did um, what did Ben and your brother think I didn't share this deep secret with, with mine of, of mine of, with them uh, but my partner Nick she agrees you know she 
she watched it with me and we both thought oh that's not aged very well yeah okay so you've heard the films that me and Sam uh, don't particularly like that the rest of the world thinks is amazing uh, now we're going to hear from our friends ooh friends ooh podcast friends ooh podcast friends yeah uh, people we've had on the show before and see what they think the um, the film that I want to talk about that's I think it's about 82% on Rotten Tomatoes that I, I'm not a fan of uh, it might be controversial I'm not sure but it's uh, Avatar and I, I I just I just think this film's just incredibly boring Um <laughs> So, uh, first, first of all, the 3D thing. I'm not a fan of 3D. It, it makes you know, uh, it gives me a headache, and I, I don't find it at all immersive. Um, and I know a lot of people who love Avatar, and they, they say, "Oh, it's amazing spectacle, special effects." And I, I love special effects, but to me, the, the characters are just so irritating. The plot is is just one note you know it's two and a, i think it's nearly three hours long and the plot is is non-existent basically and i'm sure there's a lot of people who are wowed by it and and have that sense of wonder watching it but for me I, like i say the special effects and the, some of the scenes were, were were amazing but there's just nothing to back it up I, i'd rather watch <laughs> say like i'd rather watch let's scare jessica to death which is like the complete opposite i think it was made for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and uh, and yeah, I'd rather watch that than uh, than, than Avatar. Um, so uh, thanks, guys, for inviting me to on your podcast again. Uh, I can't believe you've done a hundred episodes. This seems pretty mental. Um, let's see if you can do two hundred. I'm not sure what what films you'd be recommending to each other then, but um, yeah, thanks again, guys, and uh, see you soon. On the flip side, you have a movie I loathe that has an impressive Metacritic score of 84, and that is Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. The 2017 Ryan Johnson movie came on the heels of the pretty decent The Force Awakens and probably the best Star Wars movie yet in Rogue One, but Johnson's purposeful attempt to piss off fanboys just turned into a mush that didn't add anything meaningful to the universe, and because the trilogy wasn't planned out, never led anywhere. Even more annoying was the fact that the toxic masculinity gatekeepers of the franchise decided to make their target of derision towards Kelly Marie Tran's Rose's character. It completely destroyed any legitimate criticism of both the film and, frankly, her poorly written character. Adding this movie to the likes of the Ghostbusters reboot and Captain Marvel and films that, due to the assholes of the internet, you must be racist or sexist if you don't like them. If it wasn't for The Mandalorian being just about the best piece of IP from the franchise, I was ready to call the whole thing quits after both The Last Jedi and The Rise of the Skywalker ruined any interest I had. There you have it. I hope this fits your criteria, and I can't wait to hear your own picks. In all seriousness, keep up the fantastic work, and here's to 100 more episodes. The film that I um, hate, that everyone seems to love, is The Goonies. Um... I think I think it's nostalgia. I think you have to have seen it as a kid to love it. Um, I watched The Goonies for the first time when I was probably twenty five, and I hated every minute of it. It's just uh, it's just a lot of kids screaming and talking over each other for two hours, and then everything else was completely forgetful. Uh, I hated it. <laughs> there you go. That was some 
It was some opinions, wasn't it? Oh, so certainly some opinions on that one. Yeah, I didn't expect that, to be honest. Would you like some more opinions? Yes, let's have some social media opinions. Social media opinions. Opinions, okay, yes, so you can't say the word opinion. <laughs> we have to say opinions, yeah. As, as I did earlier, I'm going to share what we, uh, what we found on social media. Austin Linden said he hates every single Aaron Sorkin film. I mean, that's just wrong. I think it's... There's a, there's a sort of like... Maybe there's a film broness to it. Is there? And there's a maybe, I don't know, maybe like an arrogance or something. He's sort such of a good screenwriter. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like he's literally written some of the best films ever made. Yeah, the, inevitably there'll be some backlash. Nicholas Inman says uh, they hate Argo. Did he write that? Mm, no, did it Benef- feels Aaron oh, Ben Affleck yeah. wrote it as well I know he directed it yeah. anyway I'll go fuck yourself I'll go fuck yourself That's Nicholas a- we do love you though but you're right it's not a film that I've, I've seen it but you don't think when you think of like best Oscar films mm. Argo doesn't jump out at you does it no I've, I haven't thought about it for five years yeah. Theo Rescord God um, says that they hate Rain Man uh, particularly because of the uh Portrayal of autism, and the representation has, of it, yeah, yeah. and uh, what that's done to autistic people who did you, get did, that film, you know, shouted at them. <laughs> did he? Did you say he was autistic? Yeah, so he said that whenever he tells people he's autistic, they say, "Oh, you're just like that man in Rain Man." Oh dear, yeah, maybe that's that's understandable. You can see why it gives someone a bit of a, a bit of a yeah. complex about them. Brave but it's, but it is a good film. It's not. It's not like it's a bad film. Oh yeah, I, I like the film quite a lot, but uh, I think that's an understandable criticism. Um, Brayport hates A Quiet Place because um, the infuriating character decisions just for the sake of moving the plot forward. I mean, it's amazing how she manages to have a baby in total silence and doesn't get caught by the, the killer. The fireworks. Yeah. They set off the fireworks and then she screams. Oh, I see. Remember, if you remember. Uh, yeah, but I'm sure there's more than one scream when you're having a baby. Yeah, true. Uh, Brayport also said into the spider I mean, how do you keep babies quiet in that? that well, they way. had the little box and gave it an oxygen mask, didn't they? Like, uh, put it in a, right. in a sealed box yes, under that, a mattress. Uh, that would, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it was They'd weird. Thought ahead of, it was weird that they chose to have a child. It was, yeah. But then you can't, how can you have a... She can't exactly take... She couldn't exactly get um, uh, birth control anymore, could she? Oh, definitely could. Pharmacies and stuff. Yeah, but it, well, I suppose you wouldn't run out any But they, so. they, per, they purposely had a child, which is an odd decision. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse was also one for But wasn't that part. because their kid died? So we did an old episode on it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah Into the Spider-Verse. That's, that's mental that somebody doesn't yeah, like it. Yeah, and, and Bray did say he'd catch a lot of flack for this. And this is the point of this, I suppose, this whole yeah. concept. Yeah. But uh, it says the animation was incredible, but the general tone of the film... Uh, found it to be holier than now, making fun of certain tropes and holier applauding itself. Holier than now, yeah. Jesus! It's a comic book hero movie. Of it it's going to be film. holier than now. Yeah, good film. Good film. I it think. is a good film. It's quite. And that's probably why it, it qualifies for this. Section yeah, oh yeah, sure. definitely. Israel Montoya hates Blade Runner. I have to say, when I first watched Blade Runner, I was quite bored by it. It's not the most exciting film in the world, is it? No, it's uh, or it's not what it's. It's not the actiony thing it's sort of supposed to be. And it's not an action film. No, I don't think it's more of a. It's like a. It's a neo noir technically. Exactly. Um, Ernesto Castrejon, I'm going to say, yeah. uh, genuinely doesn't know why Rashomon is a is a classic. I've got to completely agree with you, Ernesto. I mean, it's. I've not seen it. It's it. It's basically telling the same story, but from different perspectives. I can't remember exactly, but it's something like. One person thinks it went like this, the other person thinks it went like that. But it just plays the same scenes in their entirety each time. 
with some subtle differences. Oh yeah, was, uh, you know how sometimes with like let's yeah, say Community this, yeah. doing that um, that episode, the remedial chaos theory, yeah. and the, with the pizza and the the dice, it at least like cuts down, and you don't have to watch the same thing again. And it'd be like ten minute scenes, <laughs> in, at least in my mind, uh, that you'd have to watch over and over again. Uh, Raffi um, or Rafi Crespin hates Forrest Gump, which I love Forrest Gump, but there is a lot of hate for that film. I just think people are awful. <laughs> and I, and I, don't, I don't know if it's because they think the film's just overrated or if it's some sort of... It's very saccharine, isn't it? Yeah, and it's very woo America kind of thing, but I, I do yeah, love... Yeah, it is a bit woo America, isn't it? Yeah, and I'll go for I'll go for one more. Oh, I do, oh yeah, uh, finally, Shay Olmsford's my middle name, Savage, uh, Hated Seven. I mean, Which, I, look, I'm not here to movie shame, but... Seven is clearly one of the best films it's ever made. Fun, it's an absolute <laughs> classic for good reason. So yeah. there wasn't a justification on that. They just hated Seven. They just hated Seven. <laughs> yeah. So like you not liking Ghostbusters. Yeah, they I don't, don't have, like seven. and I don't have like a with Ghostbusters. I don't have a, real a presentation way. as to why I didn't just, like. Just, it. I just didn't, just some vibe with didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that was some interesting opinions. That's what the world thinks. That's what the internet thinks. Yeah, that's there's that's the voice of the internet. There, that was interesting. Um, it's always nice to hear. Strange opinions. You, know. you might be wondering why, why I haven't said drink for a while. <laughs> you, would you like Are to explain? explain it? Oh, we explain it. <laughs> we might as well. Um, yeah, we were. We, yeah, we so we t- tried. We did lots of drinking last night, uh, and it, it didn't. We just could. We got so drunk we couldn't finish. We got, we got so drunk that we had to. We had such a heart to heart that we forgot about the recording and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> pretty basically passed out. So if, if you've been playing along with I don't them, actually, drink, drink, drink. I'll be honest. I don't actually remember going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember waking up on the sofa, and that's yeah. about it. Right, fair enough. So yeah, um, so yeah, so Sam. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what? that's it. Final thoughts. My question for you is, Hugh, what are we going to do next? Next week? week. Well, um, we mentioned it actually earlier in the podcast, or yesterday, or whenever. That's what gives the idea. Yeah, yeah gives the idea. <laughs> um, um, we're going to do. Uh, the, I think it's nineteen ninety nine as well. Uh, Angela's Ashes mm. uh, with Emily Watson and Sean Bean. Not Sean Bean. Um, What's his face? Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. And, and yeah, lots of rain and sad Irish people. <laughs> uh, but it's a really good film. It's a bit long. You might so strap in good God. for a long film, but um, I think you like it. So all I know about it is that the main character is Angela. No? Uh, yeah. The Ashes? <laughs> the Ashes, yeah. It's a basically a three-hour film of a mantelpiece. <laughs> so, yeah. And sometimes they open it up and go, oh, and show it to you. No, it's, I'm not looking forward to it, but it, I don't I'm know sure it's good. Called, but I, I, I'm not entirely sure why it's called Angela's Ashes. No, it's, it's, not, it's not one of those films that goes, oh, I've got Angela's Ashes here, and, you know, Peter yeah. Griffin goes. Ah, the, so then, uh, you know, they said the name of the yeah, film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it was. Um, I know it's based on the book by the the main character Frankie McCourt. Right. Uh, so, and he wrote it years later, basically. Um, and yeah, and then I think when Angela's Ashes was a success, I think he then went and wrote the book about the second half of his life or whatever. Oh right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we'll be doing that next week. Look I'm looking to forward it. to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If the listener wants to get in touch, tell us tell us what films they think are underrated, overrated, yeah. or what they think of Angela's Ashes. Yeah, well, what they need what to do they? is they need to go to 1930s Ireland, mm. uh, grow up in desperate poverty. Yeah, um, this is probably for next week's episode. To be fair, <laughs> um, so I'm probably. No, they need to it. start a podcast. Yes, record 100 episodes. Record 100 episodes. You oh you you do it this week. Go on. Get so drunk that they had to do it over two days. Yeah. 
and then probably write an email. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's harder than it looks. I think is it? Yeah, yeah I see. It's so it's talent what, I have. What, what I email address would they use? They, for that? I don't know. You tell us. Some. Oh yeah, you would get into. I was going to give the Twitter handle there because I'm so yeah. used to that. <laughs> we are at please watch pod. I think no. Please watch this dot. Pod. Please watch this dot pod at gmail.com. And but if you want to use Twitter, because that's where we're at. That's where we're at. It's at please watch pod, isn't it? So that's right. That's right. Just get in touch with us there. We don't use Instagram. We don't use Facebook. It's it's just too yeah. many things for very little. Uh, you know, goodness. So we've done a hundred episodes, listener. Here's to another hundred. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. We love you extreme amounts. He does, yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Indeed. Bye. Bye.